world of real and virtual auto sport meets. Mad Sim Racing Media presents the Into the Apex Podcast. And a big fire there as they exited out of turn three. And that looks very nasty indeed. And unsurprisingly, that is a red flag. Now, this is after turn three, and you can see Grosjean, uh, one car out there, and then Grosjean to the right-hand side. My God, it's torn the car car in half. half. No wonder the fuel came out of it. Yeah. I said the fuel was in the middle of the car, and it's literally... Whoa! And he's just gone straight across Daniel Kvyat there, as you can see. That's extraordinary. Yeah. just... The car... It's gone through the barrier, you see. The car's gone through the barrier, and that's then been sort of used as a wrench, as it were, to literally rip the car in half. And this is Into the Apex for MadSimRacing.com. Tyler Bradley and Rob here again, as always. And you're hearing the call for the accident that everybody's talking about in Formula One and, and motorsport altogether over this whole week. And that's uh, obviously House F1's Roman Grosjean having a terrible wreck. And really, uh, for both of you guys, we saw this. We had this scare back in uh, earlier this year with Ryan Newman in NASCAR, the Daytona 500. Uh, Bradley and I were texting at the time and watching, and we were sure that of what we thought we had just seen. And just like in that situation, uh, the dread turns into to relief little bit quicker in this case there was a lot more kind of mystery around ryan newman for quite a while there initially uh, we actually got to see some dramatic uh, visuals for roman in this grand prix and uh, it was something else rob i know it's for us in north america we're all waking up to watch formula one usually and i actually had missed the start and i was just waking up as the red flag was out and had missed everything and you threw a message out to us all asking us if we had seen what happened and I hadn't and uh we didn't we had to wait for the replay clips obviously because they were making sh- they were being cautious about the replay uh, but that was that was a hell of a way to start the a Sunday morning it was crazy like I remember sitting there and well, like I have a couple of buddies who are like kind of into F1 not quite as much as me and a lot of times like I know that I'm watching and they're probably still in bed and when the starts come out I'll whip out my phone and I'll take a video of it and send it to them. So I happened to have my phone out recording at the time and I near dropped it into my lap when I seen the instant fireball. And I was just like, Oh my God. Like I, I like I couldn't help but think of the worst that it was like an instant death. Yeah. I mean, you have to after as you see that. Yeah. I remember the first, the first bit of it that I saw, they hadn't uh, come out with any of the replays that they started to play after a while. Uh, was that cell phone uh, video of, of yours? You shared that with all of us, and I otherwise I sat there for a little bit, uh, not really sure what happened. I thought it was just kind of a, a pile up or a, something that caused the safety car or the red flag. Uh, didn't really it didn't really hit me, but then I saw that, and and they in real time uh, because I had gotten uh, caught up with it. They still had not uh, shown any scenes of what happened. They hadn't shown any replays or anything to give us a status of the driver. Uh, so at that point, I started to feel again that dread that that came with the Ryan Newman thing earlier this year. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Like, I I still can't describe seeing it just in real time. And like, I remember like the, it seemed like there was such a non-reaction at first from the commentators. Like, because for me it was like it was a, there was a fireball it was just like instant of just like wow and they were just kind of like oh there's a crash back there and it wasn't until they actually seen like that the car was in half that they kind of started to actually see the seriousness of it but i thought the fire was enough myself <laughs> yeah it was it, i mean it was a huge fireball and besides that and they they broke it down as they replayed the the played the replays over the whole course of the long red flag over and over they pointed out it's a. It seems to be a, have been a miracle. One, he survived the impact. Not not to the fire. Put that aside. Uh, that was its own uh, lethal element of that crash. Uh, but just an impact going through the metal uh, guardrail with the cockpit portion and half the car behind the driver's back, just breaking in two and and being shoved the whole opposite direction. I mean, there's no doubt 
that the halo saved his life first and foremost because it allowed him to be conscious and uh, survive that impact up to the point where the fire was going and he was able to escape. Yeah, I think they said it was like 54 G's at impact. Yeah. And just to cut to slice through that, I mean, it's just insane. And and he actually an interview he's done some uh, appearances, thankfully we've been able to see a lot of him this week. Uh, back at the circuit, uh, meeting with the the safety crew, uh, the medical guys. And he also did an interview with Sky Sports, um, I think today or yesterday here in the last couple of days, uh, where he really described it. As we saw in the footage of it, uh, he came out of that with one shoe or one boot. And uh, it turns out that that was because uh, that particular shoe or boot was stuck on the one of the pedals in the car. He was trying to get out and he was trapped from that. And it was that was yet another thing that just fell the right way for him. It, the, if the shoe would not have come off, he w- somebody would have had to have gotten in there and getting him out. And he was obviously up and probably more exposed to the fire in the process of that. Yeah, that yeah, don't I don't know like, how. Man, it's, it's just, I, I guess just goes to show like those suits that they wear and everything. Because like no one was going into that fire. Like right. they were spraying it at the spot where they could see where he was. But like none of them were going to be able to actually go into it. And I'm not sure any of them really would have. Yeah. The, the medical yeah, crew. I mean, they have helmets. Like, they, they have open really face helmets, I believe. So, yeah, I mean, they just barely uh, got through the fire. If you watch the clip, uh, the fact that the the one safety worker shot uh, some fire extinguisher into the towards the bottom of the fence that put the flames down enough where they could actually see him and the other guy grabbed him. If you watch it closely, you can see that they doused the flames uh, just enough so they could see him as he popped up and grab him. Otherwise, I could I don't know about them on the ground, but I couldn't see anybody until they hit the flames. I mean, he was right there in the middle of it. Um, yeah, and the one thing that struck me was that I just uh, him wiggling through part of the, the guardrail. I also thought it was interesting when he got out and they were still dousing them and he thought yeah. he was on fire and he very well could have been because that fuel that's right in the middle of the car in those, the, especially in the fuel cells, when that split open and went everywhere, if that gets on you, it actually burns clear. Wow. Yeah, that's true. If you if you look at, uh, I was watching an old IndyCar, an older maybe eighties nineties IndyCar Indy five hundred clip, uh, where there's a wreck and the the driver is just sitting there waiting for the safety crew to come get him, and all of a sudden he's running out like he's has needles being poked through him, and he's uh, what the commentators say is he's he might be on fire and he can't see it, nobody else can see it, but he's on fire, it's just invisible fire. If that's not scary enough. I know that's that's absolutely <laughs> incredible, and yeah, yeah, they were they were dousing him just a little bit, and he was shaking his hands, which we know from his his interview now uh, why he had, and how he had burned his hands. Right, um, it was kind of, it was kind of like a sacrifice. You burn your hands to get out, or you burn your whole body and you don't make it out. Yeah, I mean it's it's incredible. Uh, we've uh, got a clip from that Sky Sports interview. I think the most salient clip of the whole thing, uh, because the whole interview w- was just incredible. Because he's very open. I mean. Here we are less than a week after this whole thing happens, and you listen to this interview, and, uh, well, let's just have a listen to it. The less funny one, funny is not the word, but the most scary one is, is I sit back down, all my muscle relaxes, almost, not have a smile, but in peace with myself, thinking, I'm dead, I will die, and then I thought, which part's going to burn first? Is it the food? Is it the hands is it going to be painful uh, very very strange feeling you know I think you know sometimes we we are close to death we're a bit scared this time death for me was was here and I, I named it Benoit don't ask me why I just I just had to put a name on it and, and, and I call it Benoit and, and, th- and then I don't know if that moment allowed me to recover a bit get my brain try to find another solution. I thought about my kids and I said, no, I cannot die today. So that is, I mean, that's, that's somebody that has already processed in under a week. It seems to a pretty good extent uh, that he's come face to face with, with mortality in the race car. And uh, I read more, more from an interview. I, I don't know if it was the same interview or just another one, a print interview that he did this week, uh, where obviously Roman is not going to race with Haas next year. Uh, and he was looking to sign 
and, and get into a seat right for 2021 without any kind of delay uh, for IndyCar uh, for 2021. And he's talking now about he's going to reevaluate that. He wants to obviously finish out with Formula One in a positive way in some way, uh, whether it's at Abu Dhabi or in a testing session uh, sometime after the season. Uh, so he said, um, but now he's thinking it's not the worst thing if he doesn't race in 2021, as he said in the interview that I read, uh, that he would spend time with his family, take some time and time off. Uh, so it's definitely impacted him uh, personally and his uh, plans for his immediate racing future. Yeah, that'd be enough to make a second guess just about yeah. anything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jeez. Yeah, to see him get back in the car for the last Grand Prix of the year, I mean, that would be... That would be something. I mean, that's going to be dramatic in its own right, uh, regardless of how he finishes. And he, I think he even said it may may seem anticlimactic to get get in that last race of his F1 career and finish uh, mid to back pack, but I, but that's what he wants to do. He said he didn't care if it's in a private testing session that just some random F1 team allows him to do uh, later on in the year. He just wants to get behind the wheel of an F1 car and finish it finish it in some correct way. So that's that's something. I hope he gets his chance. It's like I said, he's in a crap car and he he, he can drive better than than what it looks like, right? Like he, he does have some skills. Just look at look, Sergio Perez isn't even guaranteed to have a seat right now. And he's top of the you know, he, he he's fighting for at least like I said, the third place in the constructors championship. So it's you know, I mean it's it's tight right now because people are really trying to bring in some developmental drivers from like the Ferrari Academy and things like that. So it's you got people who are perfectly seasoned and can show that they can compete with the best and they might not have a seat themselves. Yeah, there's definitely no shortage of talent. I mean, that's the other – I mean, there's a lot of F1 goings-on this week. Uh, speaking of Haas, uh, Formula One, or, or for those of us in America, that's our our nation's F1 team, for better or worse, uh, based out of Charlotte. Um, they're obviously not going to have Roman next year, and they're not going to have uh, Magnussen next year. Uh, they've announced this week and a couple of things dropped. Uh, Mick Schumacher, of mo- the most notable uh, son of Michael Schumacher, uh, will be driving uh, one of the Haas F1 cars next year. As uh, another driver, uh, I've not quite looked into him as much other than uh, just people being critical of both drivers. The one driver, uh, and you may know his name, Rob, I'd, I'd have to actually look it up. It's a bad job by me. Um, but he comes from a wealthy family. I want to say Russian. Um, so there's people are saying he bought his ride. Well, probably a lot of people do to an extent. Um, and then obviously Mick Schumacher, oh, he wouldn't be in the ride if his name wasn't Schumacher. Well, he's, he's also had some accomplishments in the lower, uh, feeder formula series. Yeah, that's, it's, it's common with, uh, F1, especially when you have lower rung teams who are, you know, customer teams, I guess I should say more or less in the, in the lower to mid pack. A lot of times they're really dependent on how much money their drivers can bring in. So like, obviously Sergio Perez, again, is a far better driver than Lance Stroll, but Lance Stroll is the trust fund baby, and right. that's not going to give up his seat, right? <laughs> right, yeah. And I mean, the same with Nicholas Latifi at Williams. There's no real reason Nicholas Latifi needs to be <laughs> there, but he brings his dad brings in a bunch of money. Yeah, it, it works. I mean, some of these guys, you I mean, you got – and look at the NASCAR world. Daryl Earnhardt Jr. was one. Uh, the, the latest NASCAR champion, Chase Elliott. I mean, family dynasties in motorsport – it's like any sport. You get a leg up if you were a kid and you grew up around all of this. Probably are a better racer or better talent at whatever that that is uh, than somebody else. I mean, there's no doubt. And I don't uh, begrudge anybody uh, who has that kind of, you know, parent or heritage to to get into the sport. I mean, I think any of us would do it if we could. So. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, and I know Bradley. You don't know. Uh, you're not as well learned on formula one admittedly um and haven't followed it quite as much but i even i know even you know the schumacher name yeah that's one of the few uh things that i remember about f1 i mean i've never never really sat down and watched a full race at least that i can remember but yeah i mean i remember playing the old uh uh with you actually i remember that name from playing the old nintendo 64 f1 game way back in the day yeah i remember that actually Mm-hmm. The old, uh, the poor graphics, things have come a long way. Oh, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, Ma- uh, Kevin Magnuson of uh, Haas F1, he will be going to uh, Ganassi Racing in IMSA. So we'll see him in IMSA uh, starting with uh, the 24 Daytona. And to go along with that announcement, Ganassi announced that they're returning to the DPI category uh, in IMSA. They're going to have a Cadillac, Cadillac prototype. Uh, they've been in the GT class uh, here recently. Uh, and I, of course, when I think of Ganassi and Daytona prototypes or prototypes, I think of uh, the infamous, or the famous Scott Pruitt, Hide in My Family at Home, uh, and that uh, Telmex Target uh, Ganassi DP that was so dominant over all the years uh, with Montoya and, and all the guys, uh, all the drivers from the Ganassi team. And I uh, pulled for, those, pulled for those, those guys for most of those years. Yeah, I remember uh, some of the Ganassi team back when we watched. Like you said, uh, there was. Another, I'm trying to look it up here. There was another name I remember from the season that moved. I think to the Ganassi might have been to another uh, Cadillac team. Vander Zander, you know who I'm talking about. Could be. I've not. He had just not- lost his. Uh, he and another person had just lost their their ride in uh, in the uh, prototypes uh, for 2020. This was their last. Uh, they weren't going to return for that car. Uh, next season, and Vander Zander got picked up. I think that's his name. I could be talking <laughs> straight out of my ass here. Yeah. I know he got picked up for a Cadillac team. I want to. I yeah. thought it was Ganassi, but I, I need to look more into it. Yeah, the silly season. I mean, that's as far as F1 sports cars and things like that. I mean, that's in, in full swing here. And the most dramatic thing, the thing that's got everybody uh, buzzed about Formula One uh, for this week and this weekend, uh, is George Russell, Russell to Mercedes with Lewis Hamilton out with COVID uh, for at least this weekend, possibly for the last race at uh, Abu Dhabi. And uh, Rob, I know you're pumped about this. You've been following the practices, uh, practice one and two, uh, qualifying still to come. People may be listening to this and everything may already have passed if you're listening to it during the following week. Um, so we're kind of speculating at this point, but uh, Russell is looking fast in that Mercedes. Uh, as far as after these practices. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about this weekend with George Russell because not only is it just exciting to see someone else in that car, um, it's just it opens up the field for everybody a little bit. But specifically with George Russell, it's interesting because it's clear that he's been overdriving that Williams car. And I don't know if there's just anybody in the field who would take such a crap car and get the results that that guy does like it's he kind of has that joker or that kind of nickname of like q2 russell or something like that because he's always getting the car out of q3 or out of q1 in in qualifying and that kind of seems like oh okay well you made it out of one session and then you got eliminated but like to do with that consistently never have your teammate in the same car it will qualify you and now jump into what is notably the fastest car in a long time, maybe ever. And instantly with all the new things that you have to absorb, just go in and, and beat Valerie Bottas even by a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's really impressive. And I'm not going to delve into how much it's going to take away from Lewis Hamilton if he really overperforms here, but that conversation is undoubtedly going to start happening if George Russell comes in and wins this race. Yeah, I was seeing that on the internet. Um, And again, as we record this, uh, it's the night before qualifying. So uh, as people listen throughout the weekend and the week uh, after all of the racing, uh, we're dating ourselves on that and we may miss some action to comment on. But up till now, Russell is fastest in these practices. Botas was down in maybe 10th or 11th quickest in practice, too. Yeah, 4th in FP1 and 11th in FP2. Yeah. It's- I mean, that's that's a deficit. Um, so there's there's something to be said, I think, on in both areas for both Mercedes regular drivers. Uh, one is, should Russell be the driver in the second car and Botas not? Obviously, that won't be changing probably for any reason next year. Uh, but maybe it's a put some pressure on Botas for next year. Uh, But the other thing that I saw on the internet uh, were people kind of talking down Lewis Hamilton and his accomplishments as a world champion um, in that uh, I guess the way, one way to put it is it's not the driver, it's the car. And a lot of people could do uh, what he's done. And uh, I don't, I think that's selling Lewis short a little bit because Obviously, he's done it as well in the McLaren Mercedes uh, over you know a decade ago, 
Uh, he's, I mean, there are a lot of different factors that, that it takes the driver to pilot that car and to be consistent. Uh, so I think that's selling him pretty short. I know there are some people that just dislike Lewis Hamilton. I mean, it's, it's just like in, in NFL football, people don't like the Patriots because they win a lot, win a lot of Super Bowls. Same thing with Lewis Hamilton. People get sick of seeing the same people winning. Yeah, like even if he's in a super dominant car, like you can't win seven championships and that many poles and just wins overall. It's all the different records that he's blowing out of the water, especially this season. Uh, you can't do that without being some, you know, pretty masterful, but it is really showing. Like I said, I'm not entirely confident that George can win the race this weekend just because it's going to come down to racecraft and a little bit of luck, right? So. It, but it's still for him just to jump into that car, come in and be faster than even Bottas, who's been using that car for how long now? It's it definitely is. It does give some merit to the argument of just how dominant that car is versus the rest. Yeah, and it speaks well to um, George Russell's talent and ability so far. And um, it's it, it's going to be very interesting to just watch the race itself, um, just to kind of scout what he can do in that car, whether he wins or not. I mean, you would expect you would put the pressure on him to at least get a podium. Um, I, but my, I don't even think Botas is going to win without Hamilton there. I, I think if, I think my pick, which I've voiced to you, I think Max Verstappen's the guy in the Red Bull. He's, he's been up there through the season. He seems like he's a better driver maybe than, than Botas. Um, just not with quite the equipment that he needs, but, Obviously, he's w- way ahead of his other uh, fellow Red Bull driver, so that speaks uh, quite a bit to Max Verstappen's talent. Oh, yeah. Max gets everything plus some out of that car. Mm-hmm. It almost makes me wonder sometimes if the cars are designed to his preferences a little more than everyone else's because it seems like every other driver struggles with it compared to him. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's just been something to watch. He's He's got a lot of personality on the radio. And uh, could you imagine George Russell and Max Verstappen in the Mercedes in a couple of years? Is that is that realistic? Uh, I don't know if Max would do it. Or Max to Ferrari. Although Ferrari's not been much to, to talk about lately. Sorry, what was I? My my audio cut out a bit there. Uh, I was gonna. I said uh, Max Verstappen to Ferrari, but but Ferrari is not much to uh, to talk about lately either. Well, they've, well, it is, it's it's funny, depending if you want to praise them or not, there's a lot to talk about, but they've, the Leclerc is definitely one of the faster drivers that's out there. He, 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 again, someone just like Russell, he's getting way more out of that car. And it's really impressive because you see Vettel in the exact same one and it takes everything going right for Vettel to get any type of a result. And Leclerc seems to be able to keep it within the points, at least for the most part. Yeah, and I'm I'm I am biased against Ferrari. I'm not not the biggest Ferrari fan over the years, so I will definitely I'm sell so much of the team. But I am a big Charles Leclerc fan. He's he's a fantastic driver. Yeah, it it'll be interesting to to watch them next year with Vettel moving on and and seeing what happens there. Um, but yeah, interested in seeing how Haas F1. I mean, I, I doubt we see anything magical from them next year, but. Uh, for those of us in America, at least, it's it's our connection to uh, Formula One in, in one way or the other. Um, so moving on from Formula One talk in general, a lot going on this week for that. Uh, getting back into the sim racing and iRacing. Uh, Bradley, we'll bring you back into it now since you've kind of sat aside during the Formula One talk. Um, you've had a little bit of upgrade this week. We talk about rig stuff every now and then. Uh, you've kind of put one of the final pieces onto your set up here this week yeah um so yeah i got uh ordered for black friday uh, most people that are familiar with sim racing uh, probably saw the promotions or even uh partook in it themselves um so fanatech had a lot of items um a lot of some of their best items um on black friday sale um, i think it was around uh 20 off which uh, for fanatech that's that's a pretty good sale from what i understand um, the general consensus I got from prior Black Fridays is their sales weren't that great, and throughout the year they just don't go on things don't go on sales. So I took advantage of that. Um, as everyone knows, I had the V3 pedals uh, since the summer, and uh, was just trying to to slowly upgrade my entire kit. 
Um, so I got the Club Sport 2.5 uh, base and the BMW GT2 wheel um, to go with that. Um, I just got those on Thursday. Took less than a week of shipping. Um, so so no issues there. It looks like everybody's getting everything uh, on time, which as it should be because they planned on selling uh, thousands of units in one day. So thankfully they had the sales infrastructure. Um, so yeah, haven't been able to use it yet. I've been telling uh, behind the scenes here to both Rob and Tyler, um, having some issues locally. It's not something uh, everybody else would have um, that's dealt with it. So it's not necessarily a negative point. Um, and hopefully this time next week, I'll have some kind of review content to provide. Um, at least an initial impression. Um, so yeah, I can't uh, can't mount it. Uh, for some reason, uh, several hardware stores in my area do not carry um, either M6 bolts that I would need, at least not the proper size or proper length um, that would be good for my rig. Um, or they don't carry, uh, they have maybe two of the bolts and one nut um, and everything else is sold out. Um, so that's that's kind of an issue for me right now. Before I can get this thing uh, tried, um, I'll have we have a spa race at six hours tomorrow with the I I uh, or EILMS series. Um, so uh, I'm going to be stuck using this Logitech G29. I guess that'll be the uh, grand finale. It'll go out strong, I hope. And uh, from <laughs> after that, and once I rest up from that, I'm going to try to uh, try to get this thing up and rolling if I can. Yeah, a little bit of initial impressions. A little bit of mechanical struggles there on your part you're not yeah the, uh not the guy that's going to throw on his tool belt and figure it out as i understand yeah i mean I've, I've i've looked at the templates that came with it so uh i guess just just for in some way of initial impression here uh, without actually putting it to use um as as fully expected everything out of the box is just absolutely glorious um just like the uh the pedals were everything is solid um i was really impressed with the construction of the wheelbase it's first of all it's heavy um, it's like a brick, um, a little smaller, not as wide as I thought. In the pictures, it looks like it's this mighty big thing that's wide. I thought it would be the full size of my uh, my wheel plate, and it's about the same. It's only slightly wider than the G29. Um, okay, it's just yeah. so much stronger, stronger build. I mean, it is wider, um, but it's uh, it's just so much stronger. Um, I mean, the G29 feels like a plastic piece of toy. Um, compared yeah, to it, great. yeah, um, yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, I honestly, and I've told you this too. Uh, you're still with the G29. I know, obviously, I'm the last. It, I, an, I yeah. believe on oh, yeah. our Madsen Racing team, I'm the last one with the G29 and not yeah. non-load settle. Uh, well, there's load, a reason what, I've learned. What, what's the pedal thing again? Load cell. Yeah, load cell. Uh, so, uh, load yeah, I mean, I'm, t- um, I'm telling you, once if you come down here and uh, and get your hands on one on this thing. Um, once you once you see this type of uh, of equipment, I think it's hard to go back. I, I don't think you can go back. Um, the wheel itself is is I mean incredible. It, it's it's it is a BMW GT wheel. Exact oh, it specifications. Great. The materials are the same. Um, I mean, you, for all intents and purposes, that is what it is. I mean, it's it's an advanced piece of German gameware, as it says <laughs> on the box. Um, I mean, I, you know, and admittedly, of course. With the caveat, I've not tried anything else. Um, there's a lot more higher, even more high-end uh, stuff out there. Um, I, I've watched uh, some recent videos of uh, Boosted Media with Will Ford, um, his YouTube channel, where uh, which he's also in with Fanatec and does promotions and reviews for them. But he, he has some piece of tech, uh, some wheel he's had here recently, and I've noticed it with uh, some other, other YouTubers uh, where it's got a built-in screen that's, that's almost the size of a tablet. Um, and it can recreate all of the uh, the information you would need on an open wheel and GT car, and it's a kind of like a a, a formula style wheel, but a little wider. Well, um, you, and you wear a VR headset, so you're not even going to be able to see the beautiful BM, uh, shiny BMW wheel or any of these other things on the wheels. Is that that yeah. way you to switch to triple monitor? Uh, I mean, I would like to try it. Um, I, I doubt obviously adds a little more cost into it, um, a lot more cost. Um, and I don't have right now the space for triple monitors. But uh, honestly, I've now that I've got this, my next uh, mission is to upgrade my PC and get the uh, HP Reverb, the new HD Reverb, HP Reverb. Uh, you're trying to upgrade my uh, VR, VR experience. Trying to upgrade your VR. Yeah, try to get more clarity. So, I mean, yeah. 
Um, obviously, if I would invest in a, a much fancier setup, uh, if I had triples, I would try to get button boxes, uh, more displays, things like that. I've seen displays that show uh, show the flag colors. So if there's blue flag for traffic, it'll flash LEDs yeah, blue, green I read, for green. I yeah, is one one of those devices. Yeah. So one so, of them. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a little disappointed. I won't get to see the uh, rev lights and all that, but I can see that in VR with with depth perception. Um, the wheel that's actually on the car is right in front of my eyes, so it's it really is unnecessary. I mean, the feel is there. Um, you know, I would like to have a Formula wheel down the road, and I'm, I certainly will get one. I'm sure within the next six months to a year, but uh, <laughs> or, or two weeks, uh, it's it's very tempting. It would be here by Christmas at the uh, the shipping rate. <laughs> Yeah, but it's not on sale anymore, so actually you couldn't get it. It's on back order, if I'm not mistaken. And Rob, you've got uh, I think the your fancy wheel is a Ferrari wheel, and uh, I think I believe I heard you say recently that you were kind of considering or exploring the triple monitor route. Is that right? Sorry, what was that? My dog started. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> I know you have the the uh, your fancy wheel is the Ferrari wheel, and uh, you use VR. We've talked before, but. Uh, I want to say I heard you uh, kind of start exploring lately the triple monitor route. I'm, I'm not sure if that was you or not. Yeah, I, I'm starting to look at it. It's just I don't want to go with like 27 inches, 32 inches. Like I want big ass screens if I'm going to do it. So I've been trying. I've been looking at it, but I just don't to get an actual large format monitor. They're so expensive and they're hard to find. So that's probably not going to happen. So if you could find three higher end TVs at the right price down the road, I would maybe consider doing that. It's just, it gets really complicated whenever you're starting to look at all the different, like I said, whether how many Hertz you're getting and all your refresh rates and stuff like that. And yeah. it's just, there's a, there's a lot of technical aspects I'd want to do before I'd pull the trigger on something like that. But uh, I'm definitely starting to consider it just because sometimes you get into those, like I said, you got to do two or three hours in a stint or something and the VR just gets too sweaty. Yeah, I can, I can vouch for that. Um, I'm just trying to, from what I've seen with all the newer headsets, uh, they look a lot more comfortable. So, I mean, I'm, I think I'm in the kind of by myself in that I'm with the old uh, Oculus and that thing is just the padding on it is almost non-existent. Um, so, I mean, it's, I'm just trying to upgrade my experience for now, get more clarity and a better, better, uh, I guess you could say faceplate. I don't know what else to call it. Yeah. I'm, I'm just not, I'm still not a VR guy. So yeah, I'm not as into it. And I've, I've talked about that a lot, but it's, it's going to take something really clear as far as uh, vision and just being able to see uh, and, and maybe I'll get into it. Yeah, I mean, it's like I've, we've said on previous podcasts. I mean, you have to you have to put a little more time into it to get used to it. Uh, but once you're used to it, I mean, it's it's just like anything else. I I still don't think I would want to stick with uh, triples. I would like to have it as an option. But I mean, it's you, you, it would be kind of silly unless you're just made of money to to have both um, and go back and forth. I mean, it, Obviously, I'll keep this headset. I don't know how long an Oculus will last. Um, it's already been maybe three, three or four years since I've had it. Maybe three, um, and I, I hear it's pretty, uh, pretty strong. I mean, I've heard a lot of stories of it being hit uh, during the stand-up play with the controllers, which I don't do anymore anyway. Um, and they, they'll last a while, basically until the uh, the co- the cable goes out. Which right now, for right now, I don't think you can get those again on the uh, CV1. Um, so, I mean, I'm, I'm going to work it as long as I can until I can upgrade everything. Um, and that's, it's almost like, uh, the way I see it, I want to keep the oldest one with the worst quality and allow everything to upgrade so that when I do upgrade, um, <laughs> it'll be an incredible experience. You're playing the long game here. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I mean, and why would you spend money on it? Just an incremental small improvement. Right. Um, it's like going from the, and I've to the point of my wheel that we're talking about gear right now. Um, in the reviews, I'm, I was trying to decide whether to get, whether to get the CSL elite or the, uh, CSW, the club sport, which is what I got. Um, one being a little bit cheaper than the other, um, the construction quality doesn't appear as good. Um, similar force, I would say from the reviews I've read, I can't vouch for it, but most people would contend that hundred, 100% force feedback strength on the CSL 
uh, would be about 60 to 70 on the uh, club sport and that the fidelity of the wheel was a little stronger. So, I mean, it, I, I want the strongest jump from the G29 I can get without spending 1600 on a DD1 or DD2 yeah. direct drive wheel. So, um, just trying to get that experience out of it and a noticeable upgrade, which I'm sure it will be once I can get the damn screws. <laughs> once you figure out the mechanics. Yeah. Once I get after the, uh, <laughs> what should be the easiest part. And for God's sake, I can't do it. <laughs> um, so you're, so. so you're like me when I put together a, uh, a Walmart desk or bookshelf and it's partially put together. Well, it's actually easier pieces because of the screws and different pieces of wood are just not well, that's easy. That, that was putting together the rig, which, uh, I mean, it's, it's complicated because the instructions were garbage, but otherwise the parts are in there. Everything is labeled. The screws are labeled. Here's four screws. Use it on this piece, um, which is, I understand why uh, Fanatec does not include the screws in this. Everybody's, uh, rig is different. Every, uh, wheelbase or wheel plate is of different thickness. So everybody has different needs. So they're not going to give a one size fits all uh, bolt. So, uh, I mean, it's that makes sense to me. Um, the instructions just tell you what kind of bolts you need and how many you need. And that's about it. So the rest is on you to find it through a scavenger hunt in your local uh, hardware store like I found. Well, hopefully next week we'll have some kind of review from you on on some of the first official races or races that you do with it test sessions i think obviously you'll have to break it in in an actual bmw uh, car m8 gte yeah. or otherwise that well i would only be it, fitting uh, yeah it was the only uh the only car in i racing that actually uses a uh, the wheel that looks similar to it is the uh, bmw gt3 yeah, i think it's almo- almost exactly the same wheel obviously it's meant to replicate the gt2 m3 uh but that uh, z4 gt3 car it looks almost the same so yeah i'll probably break it out at nurburgring with that to give it put it through its paces <laughs> no yeah there we go yeah so coming up in the last part half of the show we're going to talk about uh, all of the new iRacing content that's confirmed uh, which we've talked about from the teases and the biggest news of the day in the week i think in iRacing uh, the new delar ir01 uh, but first we want to mention some of our sponsors for into the apex uh, we've got two new great partners that are working with us on the podcast and supporting us uh, that as we try to improve the show and the quality of the uh, technology that goes into it and the pr- overall production. Uh, we want to talk about Roscoe Wheels. Uh, we're very excited to bring them on with our podcast as well as our endurance team. Uh, what better company to have involved with your sim racing or endurance team uh, than a wheel company? And uh, they make some beautiful wheels uh, for, uh, you see them on Volkswagens, Audis, uh, any car like that. And uh, visit RoscoeWheels.com and look at their gallery, uh, their social media. That I saw, uh, you may have seen Bradley, I put up on the TR Team Facebook, uh, some wheels that are black and gold. They've got the Roscoe Wheels logo on the, the center. Uh, really just a, a beauty. Yeah, those look. They, their rims look very nice. Um, that I've looked at a few on their website, um, and I've got a Volkswagen myself. It's not a sporty car, but uh, I would certainly be interested in uh, in some of those. Stepping uh, so up your game you. a little bit. Yeah, um, yep. and that actually inspired me to paint, uh, as you've seen, and we've released uh, the new uh, Roscoe Wheels uh, BMW M4 GT4 which you guys will debut in the uh, Majors Endurance Series. Yeah, the uh, MTech Majors Team Endurance Championship. Uh, myself, Rob, Patrick Stein, our co-drivers uh, of that BMW in the GT4 uh, AM class in MTech. That's going to be broadcast on the Global Sim Racing Channel. And that's a, a big series for us. We, we started there at Emola and are looking forward to Phillips Island here in a couple weeks. But yeah, we're going to... Uh, ride out the rest of that endurance championship season with Roscoe Wheels on board. Uh, Roscoe Wheels, uh, as they say, confidence inspiring aluminum. This means confidence in quality and confidence in yourself. Uh, confidence in quality as in they want their customers to know that their wheels are produced to the highest standard and tested to be as strong as anything on the market and designed to keep them safe. Confidence in self meaning that they want their styles and fitments uh, to make their customers feel the way they did when they walked into high school with a brand new pair of shiny shoes. Uh, So you'll basically be the coolest kid on the block, the coolest kid in school. 
Uh, and everybody knows that feeling when you're just used to the same old and you do something different, you get something new and everything's just refreshed again. You've got a new pep in your step, a little more energy. Uh, that is how you will feel as you upgrade your rims, your wheels, get rid of the old, get rid of the stock that came with it from the dealer and get something custom that you select yourself. Um, so if, if you find anything that you would like at RoscoeWheels.com, they do ship uh, free in Canada and flat rate shipping in the USA uh, in the lower 48 states. Uh, so basically all over North America, you can get these wheels to you. Uh, and we are really glad to have them with us. We'll keep you updated on everything they have going on week by week. Check them out again at roscoewheels.com. Follow their YouTube channel uh, where they have vlogs that you can check out, uh, as well as their Instagram and Facebook. Uh, we also want to shout out our sponsor for the show and for the team, uh, Great Hire HR. Great Hire HR has been with us for, for some time now, and they've extended their partnership with us into the podcast here. Uh, Great Hire HR, you can check them out at greathirehr.com. They are racing fans. They support sim racing, sports car racing, and we're proud to have been representing them in the endurance team uh, on our uh, BMW M8 GTE. Uh, Great Hire, whether you need help hiring one employee or 100, Great Hire can help. Uh, Check them out on their website again, greathirehr.com. And you can also contact them at their email address, which I've got linked on our show notes on the MadSimRacing.com website. Hiring good people is hard work. Great Hire HR does it quickly and economically so you can focus on what's important, which is running your business. Uh, So again, check out our great partners, Roscoe Wheels and Great Hire HR. It's going to be a really, really fun car that everyone's going to start to be able to drive in December. We're going to have some official series with it early in 2021, and ultimately it's going to lead to a world championship in late 2021. So we're really thrilled with the design process and and what Delara built us, and we can't wait for the sim racing community to get really what is a dream sim racing car. So into the last half of Into the Apex, we are moving on to uh, the big topic for sim racing this week, the most exciting news. Uh, just today as we record this, uh, we thought we had plenty to talk about in the announcement of Long Beach and the video that came out with that, as well as Coca-Cola Speedway, Cedar Lake Dirt Track, the Big Block Modifieds. Just in our last episode, we did some speculating and more than that because some of the teases were not very subtle. And we pretty much knew what was coming, but we got the full look at it this week. Uh, but the one thing that nobody saw coming, none of us, we didn't speculate about it at all, although we did kind of talk about it to an extent, uh, was a fictional car or more fictional content from iRacing. And we got that announced today, coming in December, in the new Delara IR01. What do you think of that, Bradley? Um, that, that struck me out of left field. I know I saw it. I want to say first and forward it to you guys. Uh, and my words were, holy shit, this is exactly what we were talking about almost a week ago. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but in regard to tracks, and we were, some of us were, were thinking and saying, well, they'll never do it. Um, they'll never make a fictional piece of content for iRacing, of course. I mean, we know Coca-Cola Speedway, that's where I started the conversation <laughs> as I choke up here. Pull yourself together. I know, <laughs> I know it's, it's beautiful. Got, it's, I know got it's me beautiful. emotional. Yeah. <laughs> um but i mean i honestly i there was never a hint out there and they kept it quiet pretty well um that they were building a car a custom car and with delara um so i mean there's there's a lot to unpack here with this car and the reaction from the the sim racing and i racing community um this is kind of a new thing that i'm aware of but uh i'm intrigued Uh, what about you yeah i mean first things first uh they mentioned they did a, a long video where they they kind of pr- uh, prepare everybody for this, and they they throw right out there whether you kind of pay attention to it as much or not. I mean, why would why else would they come out in this build with uh, the fictional track Coca Cola Speedway, even though it's based on something kind of in the history of sim racing? It's still a fictional track. There's no scanning necessary. Well, they also did a fictional car, no scanning necessary. Well, coronavirus over the last going on a year 
uh, they're not able to get out there and, and scan as much as they otherwise would have. Um, so they're where are they going to get content? Well, it's the year of, of fictional content at this point, as we're about to get a fictional track and a fictional car. Now, the response from the iRacing community has been mixed. I've tried all day today to kind of get get a temperature on this. Uh, we reached out to our, our team drivers to kind of see what they all thought. Uh, we've talked amongst ourselves and what we think. I browsed some of the uh, forums and the Reddit and everything for iRacing that's out there to, to get a sense. And people are talking about it. And it's not all excitement. Not everybody is through the roof about this. Um, I mean, obviously, open wheel racing is somewhat of a niche in iRacing, I think. It's not seemed to be the most popular thing there. I think for road racing, this, the GT and the sports cars and that might take uh, take the win over open wheel. People never, you know, the McLaren F1, not the greatest uh, or the most popular at all. Um, so this is this is something that iRacing is bringing in to make their own open wheel world championship and probably try to make it something that the McLaren F1 car uh, just wasn't capable of of starting yeah that was what excited me when they mentioned uh bringing the world championship back um i remember back in in 2010 2011 when i first got into iRacing uh sitting for an hour or two at a time just at my computer watching the full broadcast um of the iRacing world championship series with like gregor hutu ilka hapala um some of those guys in what was at that time the original indie car that came with the service there was no F1 car. Then the F1 car came. I want to say they used it for a little while. And then it, at some point, I had, I had stopped following and kind of slowed down my participation in iRacing. And then when I came back, there wasn't any type series like that. And then now we have uh, the top-tier road series in the Porsche, uh, promoted by Porsche, of course, in the 911. Um, so I'm excited to get back to the open-wheel Grand Prix top-of-the-line style racing. Um, and that gives some of those open wheelers a place to go uh, with their skills if they don't want to race the Porsche 911. Uh, so, I mean, I would be interested. I think we'll have to have a discussion as a team, but for Mad Sim Racing, I foresee uh, there being a Mad Sim Racing IR01 um, in our near future. Yeah, Mad Sim Racing open wheel program, which would be something yeah. slightly different. Um, but yeah, I wanted to talk about or go into kind of what is the basis for some of the mixed feelings about the fictional car. I mean, I don't think it's so much that it's an open wheel car. I don't think that's uh, really the, the thing for some people, just the fact that it's fictional and maybe the worry that, that it go that things go too much in the direction of fictional, um, you know, in the future. And maybe that's uh, part of me thinks I haven't really had anyone come out and really, really, really detail why they might have an issue. Um, but, Part of me thinks maybe it's having the sim because, you know, we don't call it a game. We call it the sim. Uh, having it become too much of an arcade game or too much of a hokey kind of game. You know what I mean? Does that make, does that make yeah. sense? Yeah. And I think, well, I mean, I guess the, it's about the precedent. Precedent is yeah. that uh, some of the comments, I guess, were skeptical of that, um, which there's a poll in iRacing. Uh, so far, 830 people have responded um, so it's it goes from I'm excited for the IR01, uh, 60% are excited for it, uh, 494 participants in this poll. Uh, 195, 24% were skeptical but open-minded, um, 9%, 77 people, uh, not sure, but I like it. Uh, 4%, 35 people, I hate it. Uh <laughs> One percent, seven people said I didn't watch the video, <laughs> and three percent here, which is not broken down evenly. It's the worst poll in history of polls. Uh, there's money to be won. Oh my god! So uh, why would you uh, even engage with the poll if you haven't watched the video? Uh, it's probably just for fun. I mean, but uh, yeah, obviously the majority of people are excited. On I, I am too. I mean, I'm. Oh, I'm. I, I mean, they do a good job with those hype videos. Yeah. I mean, I was. Oh, yeah, hyped. They do. I think we were well, all hyped. And I think uh, one of the points I saw made that I, I really strongly agreed with is is uh, the fact that Delara is on board and they actually took the time to make this video to show us what kind of effort they made and that this could actually be a car in real life. All they have to do is have people build it. Um, it is seems seems to be 
a designed and functional car. In fact, I think the video showed them making a what looked to be a really large but not quite full-size model of it, right. if I understood what I was looking at right. Um, so, I mean, it had they not have done that, if iRacing just came out and said, look, guys, we designed this car in our studio in Boston, I think everyone would be like, shut the hell up. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't want this uh, thing that you made that's just a video game element. Right. And there's no engineering behind it. The, the fact that there's engineering behind it, um, and yet it was created and designed with the thought of this is just for sim racing. I mean, it has the potential to be the best car in the iRacing service just because it's geared towards what we all do. Yeah, um, no, so no it, technical, yeah. no push to pass, no... no right. Uh, and and he mentioned, uh, Steve Meyer mentioned um, that that's exactly what they were after. They were taking the feedback from the community on the two F1 cars and taking away what people didn't like, why that those series were pretty much DOA and uh, putting in the things that we all liked. Um, and on top of that, the icing on the cake is the thing just sounds amazing. Sounds a lot like the Williams F1 car. Um, but it just has a great sound to it. Um, the onboard view, all I could say is I, I can't wait to see it in VR because it looked like a, a wonderful open wheel car. Um, you know, and I, I had thoughts of, of buying some of the new lesser, lower tier uh, open wheel cars they've released several months ago. And I think I'll just hold off and get this one and that'll satisfy me. Yeah. The, I, and like you said, the, the Delora aspect, the video kind of breaking it down and showing all the technical uh, work that went into it. I mean, it is it is the Delara IR01. It's it is custom to sim racing, and I think that's pretty cool for everybody that that does sim racing or everyone on iRacing uh, that that would do any kind of road racing involved in this. But like you said, yeah, without that, you know, I think the problem, maybe the concern, and and probably what would become kind of a touchy area, is if iRacing started producing more and more of these in each class or each type of of thing, and it becomes more of a, you know. I think with an open wheel car, it's easier to pull this off. You get to a sports car or an IMSA kind of car, GT. I mean, you're not going to create, I mean, mean, it's just going to be kind of odd if you create a new, I don't know, like a new type of BMW, or is it going to be a whole new fictional manufacturer, which is going to have, you know, who's really going to be drawn to that. Everybody kind of likes the whole BMW, Ferrari, Porsche, that kind of thing. That that seems almost going to be, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's like, this is, this is hot wheels. This is Mario Kart. What is this that you guys are throwing out here? I think the open wheel car is just, just the right uh, class or type of car where they could pull this off with Delora. uh, Because with open wheel cars, I don't know. You just don't have that, that manufacturer identity. Yeah, I mean, there's only so many ways to design an open wheel car. At the end of the day, they all pretty much look the same. They're just slightly different sizes. Uh, Wheel wheel sizes are different. Um, So, I mean, it it, it looks pretty sharp. Um, It's got a little windscreen, but not like the IndyCar screen. Just kind of a small pop-up one, kind of like an old school one. Um, The wheels are huge. Um, Looks from the front a lot like, I guess an F1 car, a little, maybe a little more futuristic. Uh, the wheel um, or the formula style wheel looks very slim from what I remember. It looks pretty thin. Um, not quite like any that I've used anyway. Yeah. And, the, and I think you were talking earlier about the, uh, the wheels look large on it, at least from the video. Yeah, That's, that's what struck me at first. It looks like uh, a, a thin tube on these huge wide wheels. So, I mean, it's got to have a ton of grip. It's got to be, that's that's what made me think it looks like from what they designed it's just gonna it's gonna handle like a dream it's gonna handle the way we want uh some of these cars to handle and with the f1 cars that we have there's so much power there um that you're always spinning tires or having a hard time getting on the throttle i wonder if this car is just going to be buttery smooth and how it drives for an open wheel car yeah buttery smooth um so I, as I was reading some of the the stuff on the internet, uh, getting getting a feel for everything, I saw some people commenting that they believed uh, uh, Steve Myers mentioned they would do a or have a world championship with this car by the end of late 2021. Uh, other people were talking this will be dead on arrival, just like the the McLaren, and that it will basically fail and nobody will race it in the official series that it gets. What what do you think? Do you think it's uh, think it's going to take off and, and get that popularity? Once the uh, initial excitement dies down or is there really, it, I don't really have a sense. I don't have a thought. Yeah, I mean, either it's, way. It's, 
honestly, I don't, I don't pay attention. And, and I'm, I told you guys uh, before the podcast, I'm guilty enough that I, I love the IndyCar, um, but I never raced it. I never touched it. The last time I raced or drove the IndyCar in any fashion was back in, in May, I think, when we podiumed at the uh, ERA Indy 500. And I haven't touched it since, but yet it's one of my favorite cars in iRacing. And I don't know why that is. I don't, it's probably because uh, you can sink a lot of time uh, because you need a lot of time in practice in the uh, IMSA cars, the GT cars, and things like that. I mean, it takes so much to, to jump from a GT4 to a GT3 to a GTE. And now with the LMPs, that, I mean, honestly, you can want to get every car and enjoy every car in the sim, but obviously nobody has the time to go to, from all of them. Yeah. Um, so, so, I mean, it's master one and then move on they, maybe to something else. There's more content than there is time to race it. You need to be oh, unemployed, sure. unemployed and financially secure <laughs> uh, to really yeah. get or retired. I'm, I'm right there with you. I had the, uh, when it came out and had some hype, I bought the Indy Pro 2000 or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, I've raced it once since I bought it. I mean, yeah. and, I, and I, I think it's great because I used to love the Pro Mazda, but I've still just. Uh, the way the, the official race cycles happen, uh, I really have my core little series that kind of, they run races at the right hour for me uh, during the week or weekend, and I really jump in those. Then mostly that's IMSA and Lamar series for the most part. Yeah, and we'll see what schedule they have for it. Hopefully they post that just when it's available. That'll determine if I buy it, whether I need to buy multiple tracks. Um, obviously I'll probably be buying, or if we have to, I have the tech track for long beach, but you better believe I'm buying long yeah, beach. We're, and we'll, and we're going to talk about that. I want to, uh, kind of, we'll kind of merge the, the talk yeah. to tracks and long beach, uh, because That's I'm, what I'm finish, most excited about. Yeah. Uh, I want to finish on the topic of fictional content. We started talking because it's just like you said, you, when that video came out today, you met, you messaged all of us was like, this is exactly what we were talking about on the show last week and you and I have talked the last couple of weeks, I think about the fictional tracks that we uh, were part of in NASCAR 2003 season. Um, I think, so where I'm at with that is I feel like iRacing should can and should keep going with making fictional content. As far as tracks, we just said, and we understand and I, I can completely get behind. Let's not push this with fictional cars. And I get people's kind of being on the fence about that, but I think we should absolutely be okay with fictional tracks. Now, yeah, we said, and you said before, scan and update tracks that are historical and that, that we have already. Sure, let's do that still. But I think it's there's nothing wrong with designing custom, especially custom road courses. I just think the possibilities are endless. I see. I don't see any downside to it for anybody. Um, and I guess we'll see how this completely fictional car, uh, how it adapts to everybody as far as the uh, novelty of it, I guess, is, is what I'm looking for. Um, yeah, I mean, just, just when I watched that video this today, uh, debuting it, I just got a, a really interested feeling about it because it's for all of us. I mean, I, I just can see, I can completely see the interest that the, the people that work for iRacing would have in it. Uh, sure, they they're going to get more of our money, uh, and they they could freely take it because that's what we're here for. But I think, I mean, you can just put yourself in their position, and I think that's very interesting. To you do all this work replicate replicating things, you know, all the time, and getting to have some creativity and and innovation on your own. I mean, it's got to be good for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I mean, as long as they don't overdo it, which I mean, there's there's a sweet spot for everything that that they can do. Um, I would like to see now that they've introduced this concept, I, I hope it's received well. I would support it and buy it um, as long as the schedule works. Like I said, I would try to run it. Um, and uh, I, hopefully there would be, um, I'm assuming between now and when they would have this world championship, some type of feeder series or, or mechanism where maybe we can, I don't expect to be good enough to get in, but I mean, at least try, have a, have a road to the world championship series. Yeah, that would create some buzz. Yeah, so I mean, you I, build a build a competition. Yeah, I mean, if you put a a prize pool in, just like the other top tier series, you're going to have a crowd of people participate. It's not going to be dead on arrival. Um, I I don't think. Um, I mean, obviously, it would just depend. It would depend on the number of people interested in open wheeled because I mean, we have so many niches in i racing now between the dirt, uh, dirt road rally racing, uh, 
IMSA style racing, GT racing, and then cup and oval car racing. Um, it's obviously there's people that just come on this service for one of those things. They don't spend their money on any of the other content. And this is, is worthless content to them. Um, so, I mean, it would just depend on the buy-in. I think we have plenty of, of international people on iRacing who are, are very, very into F1 and open-wheel open style racing. Um, so, I, like I said, I, I would love to see a custom track. Um, will it happen? Uh, who knows? I think it would depend on how well this is received. It would be a big undertaking, and for sure it's not going to be within the next year, given the amount of content they have to work on um, as far as road circuits go. So we'll get our first fictional track, uh, Coca-Cola Speedway. We talked about it last week. Confirmed. I mean, that was easy. Uh, it was confirmed basically from the time they put that teaser video out. Uh, we just got to see a little more of a look at it. Uh, we really talked about it last week. We won't, I, don't, I don't think there's much more to talk about as far as Coca-Cola Speedway. That was kind of the, the latest news for last week's episode. So we kind of uh, went right through that in, in fine detail. I'm um, just looking forward to running some probably fun runs. That's going to be the place to be for fun runs. Oh, yeah, most definitely. That's going to be uh, heavy in week 13. <laughs> yes, um, pure chaos. Um, and then Long Beach, and we we talked about that. I mean, that was what the, the word was. I mean, again, not a huge surprise, uh, but we got the hype video from iRacing over the past week. Uh, got to see some sights of it in video, and uh, it's it's something special. I mean, it might make my PC burst into flames from all of the uh, features on it, but it's a, a good looking track. Yeah, I mean, I, I, there were some comments and questions in the uh, iRacing forums about that, and Greg West and some of the iRacing staff responded um, saying it's not actually as bad as you would think. Um, and even in VR, they said the performance was was decent. Um, so that's, that makes me hopeful, um, as someone that races in VR with not the uh, strongest computer. Um, so yeah, I can't wait. I'm the most excited to get on track there and see that scenery. Uh, the videos and clips we've seen have been great. Um, so I mean, everything about that track looks incredible. It looks yeah. like it's, it's quite like nothing they've built in iRacing yet. So, uh, I'm not, of course I don't have, uh, Detroit, Belle Isle. But, uh, I mean, this looks even more impressive um, as far as a street circuit goes. Yeah, the details of everything around it. Because um, you and I, were, we, we bought the tech track. We raced it once back in the spring in a spring GTE series. I mean, it's obviously, it's just the track, and that's what you're there for in the tech track. Uh, but seeing it at its full potential, I mean, that's going to be a destination for road series and leagues uh, for, the, for any kind of street race. Uh, don't know if we'll see any kind of endurance races there. That would be a lot of work because uh, if I, as I recall, it's, it's been months since I raced there, uh, but it was a lot of work. And I know we uh, bounced into the sidewalls quite a bit. So yeah, it was uh, on that track. Uh, and it, even without the scenery, it was a pretty good race. Um, so updated. I'm, I'm excited to get on it. Um, maybe with, uh, speaking of, I guess the final bit of content, um, as far as cars go, it looks like possibly the Lamborghini. That's G true. About forgot that. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously the GT3 cars are all kind of similar. Um, not, not my favorite road cars. I mean, I enjoy the GT3 BMW. Um, but I obviously am more into the GTE side L or NLMP side. Um, but yeah, that car looks interesting. It's, with so much content out there, I don't actually know what I want to buy. <laughs> yeah. I want to experience every car, but I, I know it's probably just yeah. going to sit there for a while. So we'll see. The dirt side, they didn't get neglected. Uh, Cedar Lake dirt track and big block modifieds. Uh, just after we did our show last week, uh, iRacing put out a teaser picture of Cedar Lake and uh, with a magnifying glass. And uh, other people were speculating what track it was and identifying the track. Uh, you and I aren't, aren't dirt racers. We really don't race any dirt on iRacing. So, uh, we don't have much to offer on that to do it justice. Uh, but on that tease, I was sure that I saw a little puddle of water and I thought that magnifying glass was telling us, Hey, do you notice that, that water puddle? Maybe we, maybe that's something they've got in there. I saw at least one person on the iRacing Reddit where I kind of 
browse to see what the latest is. They saw the same thing and thought the same thing. Uh, but I've not really heard anything other buzz on that. People haven't really zeroed in on that. So I don't know if that's looking too far into that image. Maybe it was just some shiny dirt in a, in a little hole in the circuit. But I could have sworn I saw a little water puddle. And maybe that's a tease of rain. But I'm that's pretty sure somebody uh, somebody debunked that. Did they? Okay, I yeah, got a little excited. I, I'm rain want, is not. Coming. I want rain. I want water. Rain is not. I want to be Michael coming. Fassbender on the curb. That's this is the dangerous thing iRacing is doing. They keep dropping enough surprises on us that now around every corner and every update, people think rain. It's rain. It's rain. It's rain. So when it finally comes, we're going to lose it. Oh yeah, it's it's rain is going to be uh, the thing that that everyone chases to Mecca here. <laughs> it's going to be uh, God. There's uh, you know what I want to happen. I want iRacing to make that in a build and tell nobody, and we all get into an official race and it and just it starts, starts pouring down. It just rain. starts that raining. Would be, that would be fantastic. Don't I think say everyone anything would. to anybody. Uh, disguise the files so you can't see it when the files are are, are being refreshed, and just have it start raining in the middle of a race. Yeah, that That'd would be, be it would be, I think. It would be uh, just perfect for everybody involved. And finally, iRacing revealed uh, four tracks that are scanned and licensed and, and ready to be developed. Uh, four Euro road circuits. Uh, Hockenheim Ring, which we knew about. Uh, Hungaro Ring, Red Bull Ring, Knock Hill Racing Circuit. Um, so more European road circuits on the way. So who needs fictional road circuits? We've got plenty yeah. coming. That's why I said there's no fictional road circuits in the next year. It would be my prediction. I mean, I, if ever, of course, it's not on the radar, but certainly not anytime soon because the development team will be busy uh, putting together these all these road tracks. Um, so, I mean, it's that's a long way coming if it does come. Uh, maybe in the next five years. You never know. Yeah, we'll see what happens with that. Um, so for Into the Apex, that'll do it for today. Uh, we'll look forward to a weekend of Formula One racing and break that down a little bit in the next episode. And we'll continue to keep an eye on some of this new content. And once we get our hands on it, uh, we will give our input on that. Uh, so as always, check out MadSimRacing.com. We thank our sponsors of this episode, RoscoeWheels.com, GreatHireHR.com. Uh, for Into the Apex, we will see you next time. You've been listening to Into the Apex. Apex. Presented by Mad Sim Racing. Follow and join the team at madsimracing.com.